into Jerusalem on a donkey. In Jewish tradition, they were celebrating their deliverance from Exodus or their exodus from Egypt. It was significant in the life of a Jewish person because every good Jewish person would try to make a journey back to Jerusalem at least one time in their lifetime, if not every year. Jesus, it was his passion. It was his passion to give his life for you and I. And as he entered into Jerusalem that day, the crowds recognized him as a king. Although they were misguided, they didn't understand what he really came to do, they were looking for a deliverer. And that week, Jesus entered into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey, fulfilling prophecies, many prophecies. Hundreds of prophecies of the Old Testament would be fulfilled in this period. Thursday, Wednesday night, we represented what Jesus did on Thursday night when he ate the last meal that he'd eat with his disciples. And there we see Jesus doing some incredible things. He's actually... Actually, if you read the Gospels clearly, you'll see some of the most powerful teachings that Jesus gave to his disciples took place during this week. Some of the greatest miracles took place during this week. It was in this week that Jesus would wash the feet of his disciples and literally tell them, what I'm doing, I'm setting an example for you. I want you to go and do. It was this week that Judas would betray Christ leave that place full of remorse and guilt and go and hang himself. With that 30 pieces of silver that he thought he was going to buy some happiness with, uh, the Jewish leaders took it and bought a field called Potter's Field. But it all led to this night, the crux of human history, where Jesus would die for you and I. On this table, I have bread which represents his body. It was unleavened unleavened bread. It's called matzah in, in our English language. But the matzah, if I can get this off here, they got that. There you go. The matzah represents the body of Jesus that was broken. There was a cat of nine tails. It was literally shards of glass and bone and lead that were tied to a whip and that was beat across his back. The, the matzah bread actually has stripes that go down it. Those those stripes on the matzah bread represent the stripes that Jesus bore on his back for you and I. The reason that the bread is flat is because this bread has no yeast in it. This yeast, the yeast in the Bible represents sin. And so the yeast was taken out of this before it was made. And it never rose. And we look at this bread, we see that which reflected the body of Jesus, which was perfect in every way. I told my son this week, I said that although many people don't like to believe that Jesus was sinless and perfect, he was the perfect lamb of God. He never got sick. I know you can't believe that. Although he was fully man, he had no deformities. He was perfect. Although he was fully God, he also became fully man. And he conquered Satan at every point. At every point and in every place, he defeated the enemy. Every place. At one point in Jesus' life, Jesus told his disciples, Satan came to me, but there was nothing in me. He never sinned. He never sinned. He made a choice to walk out his humanity in perfection. 2,000 years ago on this Friday, what Jesus went through was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. They would mock him and torture him. Uh, they actually brought him into a room, and, and there they would put a crown of thorns upon his head. And they would press this crown of thorns, something very similar to this. This is a real crown of thorns. And they would press this down upon his head. And the blood began to flow. They spit in his face. They put a purple robe upon him and they mocked him and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. Hail, King of the Jews. And then they made him carry this cross. They made him carry the cross through the streets of Jerusalem. And while the people taunted him, and while the people mocked him, they would kick him and beat him. Actually, about halfway up to the mountain of Golgotha, they would stop because he couldn't go any further. 
And there was a man by the name of Simon Serene who would be roped in to carrying the cross the rest of the way. They would drag him up to Golgotha and they would pierce his hands. They would pierce his hands. They would pierce his feet. And they would hang him there. They would hang him there for the whole world to see. They actually had a sign written in three languages. King of the Jews. King of the Jews. It was there that Jesus, Jesus in his last moments of his life, spoke his final words. You see, man was at his worst, but this is where God did his best. (laughs) Man was at his worst, nailing a perfect sinless man who was fully God, who was the only one that could save them, the only one that could deliver them. Man was at his very worst. God would do his his very best. And in John's Gospel, chapter 19, the Bible says later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, and they put a sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and they lifted it up to Jesus' lips. And when he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He bowed his head. The word in the Greek is actually tetotelistii. Tetotistii. It is finished. The Son of Man had been rejected. He'd been despised. He'd been beaten. He'd been wounded. Exactly as the prophet Isaiah had spoken. But he declared that night, it is finished. It's finished. In the Greek, this word can be used in three different ways. It can mean a servant returning to his master. I finished what you sent me to do. There's nothing left for me to do. It can mean a merchant declaring, the debt is paid in full. It is finished. It also can mean a priest Examining the lamb for the sacrifice. It is perfect. It is perfect. Jesus on the cross declared, it is finished. History was forever to be changed. The mission for which he came was fulfilled. You may say, well, what did he finish? There were so many things. I mean, one of the things that he did was the hundreds of prophecies that were spoken of him in the Old Testament. They were fulfilled. Literally hundreds of years before Jesus went to the cross, they were fulfilled. Let me read just a few of them to you. Amos prophesied that darkness would befall the land, and it was fulfilled. Isaiah said Jesus would one day be rejected, and he was. Psalm said he would be betrayed. Isaiah also said he would be beaten, and he was. Spit upon, and he was. Wounded and bruised for our transgressions, he was. Psalm said he would be mocked, and he was. Zechariah said he would be forsaken by his friends, and he was. Isaiah said he would pray for his persecutors, and he did. He would be crucified by thieves, and he was. Psalm said that they would cast lots for his clothing, and they did. It was also said that none of his bones would be broken, and they weren't. It was said he would cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he did. It was prophesied that he would be pierced, and he was. It was also prophesied that they would give him vinegar to drink. And he said, I am thirsty, and they did. It is finished. It's finished. The finished work of Christ. Everything that he came to do. What else did he finish? He finished Satan's stronghold over humankind. He finished the work. Sin was defeated. Sickness was defeated. Every lie of the enemy was thwarted. It was at the cross. It was at the cross. In that moment of history that Jesus defeated Satan. Paul the Apostle says in Colossians chapter 2, When you are dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Listen, he forgave them all, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us 
and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It is finished. He triumphed the cross. When we look at the cross today, many people have all kinds of thoughts and ideas. But it was at that moment in history, that moment in history, that everything changed. Everything changed. The reality for you tonight to actually sing a song and worship God in spirit and truth, it was changed forever. You see, because in Jesus' generation, Gentiles weren't allowed to come and worship God like this. It was in in this moment that God made reconciliation for all people possible. History had been changed. He finished his assignment. He changed history. That moment on the cross, it changed everything. No longer would men and women have to bring animals, bulls, and goats, and doves. They would now be free to access God personally themselves. It was at that moment. Jesus paid a debt. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. And I owe a debt I cannot pay. Everything the Father had sent him to do was complete. It was finished. (laughs) The The bad news for all of us is that Jesus finished what he came to do. The good news for all of us is that Jesus came to finish what he came to do. The bad news is that you and I haven't. If you're alive and breathing, there's still unfinished business in your life. And we all have unfinished business. Pastor Glenn's going to come and he's going to talk to us about unfinished business in our life. And just as Pastor said, we all have unfinished business. If you have your notes tonight, that is the that is the first blank that you can fill in, is we have unfinished business with God. God has finished his work for us, just as pastors eloquently said, but we have unfinished business with God. You know, I grew up at a great church. Uh, I grew up uh, with a, a great family. I'm really thankful that my mom and dad are actually still together today. Um, and um, I grew up in kids' church. I grew up in youth church. And my brother actually is the worship leader here. And I remember when he was the worship leader at his youth ministry, and I was maybe five or six, and and I would hang out at church. I would sleep on church floors, and I would just be there all the time. And I've heard so many messages about Jesus, and I'd heard so many good stories about God and biblical characters. But can I tell you what Pastor is speaking on tonight? never became a reality until I understood this principle that even though Jesus has finished the work on the cross, I personally still have unfinished business with him. Right. And no matter how many messages I heard, until that revelation gets into your heart, into my heart, my identity, my change, my salvation, Christ uh, of washing me clean did not happen until I understood this principle and did something with my unfinished business. And all of us have unfinished business. And if you see in your notes, I put there Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And Jesus says this. And this totally depicts my life, for the record, as I was growing up. He says, I know your deeds. In other words, I know your outward expressions. Uh, You have a reputation of being alive, Glenn. But you're dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. In other words, I've already finished my work, Glenn, but you still have unfinished business. It isn't complete until we do something with our unfinished, our unfinished business. And this was totally me. I had good deeds. I was a good kid. I tried to stay uh, on the straight and narrow. I, I tried to, I had a reputation of being alive. But until I came to Christ completely and allowed him to take care of my unfinished business, I was not complete in Jesus. And this scripture was speaking to me. And, you know, this also tells us something else, church. This tells us that God is an inward, outward working God, not an outward, inward working God. Well, it's good. 
You see, this, this passage isn't telling you about how much you tithe or how much you give or how, much, how many times you can fill a pew or what you said to your child when you, when, you went, when, you, you, when you say your prayers at night. It's talking about the inward of your heart. And that has to change. And, 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 you know, and, and I think we, we've, we've come to believe the lie that we have to clean ourselves up to get right with God when this scripture tells us completely the opposite, that we come to God and then he cleans us up. This is the good news on Good Friday. Is that Jesus says, hey, I see your deeds. Quit trying to surrender them over to me. And I'll make you new. And I'll make you fresh. And Ezekiel prophesied, just as pastor said, I'll put a new heart in you. I'll put a new spirit in you. And I'll change you from the inside out, the Bible says. And so I had unfinished business with God. And that unfinished business is simply called sin. Sin is missing the mark. And all of us have sin in our lives. All of us have unfinished business uh, with God. I I want you to flip over to the second part of your notes there, and you're going to see where it says unfinished business. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to take the next 60 seconds, and you're going to answer one question and one question only. What is my unfinished business with God today? What is my unfinished business with God today. You know, some people might say in this room, well, you know what, that drug addiction, I can't break. That, that, uh, that, that my marriage is too far gone. My, uh, I've said too many wrong things to my kids to get that thing right. Can I tell you the cross is powerful enough? And if we just hand it over to him, he's going to change it. I promise you, he will give us the power to overcome in life's obstacles. Amen. So even as you're looking at this unfinished business, don't let the enemy sit here and tell you, no, you know what? You can't put that down. You can't, you can't walk that down. That's only going to last for a little bit. No, no. I'm telling you tonight, the cross can change everything in your life. Amen. So I want you to take the next 60 seconds. Keenan is going to, is going to play. And I want you to answer that question right where you are, just as I had to so many years ago. What unfinished business do I have with God tonight? You've taken a moment. Sometimes we think of unfinished business just in the context of a big sin. But I got to tell you, it isn't just big sins. There are little areas of disobedience. There are words that we have said to people that we've never asked for forgiveness of. Maybe it's just something as simple as finishing a project in your home that you started five years ago. And you've never finished. And every time you look at that project, it frustrates you because you know that you have some unfinished business. I mean, see, that's the power of the cross. It goes from the biggest areas of our life to the smallest areas of our life. Because God created us to be victors. God created you and I to win. The cross is about winning. The cross is about victory. The cross is about overcoming. The cross is about accomplishing and finishing. So how do we do this? How do we finish strong? We recognize the cross. We sing about the cross. We talk about the cross. We look at the cross. We preach on the cross. But how do we finish strong? How do we do that as believers? Well, the first thing that has to happen is we have to make a commitment. Everyone say commitment. You can actually write that in your little blank there. I think there's actually a place for you to write that. We must make 
a commitment. A commitment that, that is setting our heart and our will. You see, God did it all through His Son, Jesus, so that we can do what He's created us to do. And that is to be victors. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what area of your life that's keeping you back. And it could be an issue with food. It could be an issue with addictions like we talked about. It could, be, it could be watching too much television. It could be relationships that are broken and aren't restored yet in your life. There's lots of things that unfinished business can represent because all of us are at a different place in our journey with God. Paul the Apostle wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want you to say this with me. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. Finish the work. Finish the work that God has called you to do. There is personal responsibility. God did His part. Everyone say, God did His part. God did His part when He sent us on Jesus. But now we have our part. There's a part that we have in walking out our faith and living the life that Christ has called us to. In our culture today, commitment is a dirty word. I find it very interesting in our culture right now, there's a great debate about marriage. Because most people in our culture don't want to get married. And the people who shouldn't be getting married to each other want to get married. And the people that should be getting married to each other don't want to get married to each other. I mean, my head's ready to explode. I mean, we're, as a culture, we're afraid to make a commitment. Why do people live together before they get married? Why do they do that? You know why they do that? Because they're afraid to make a commitment. It's the C word. It's commitment. Commitment means I set my will. You see, when you don't make a commitment, well, you're going to go to church today? We'll see. That's a lack of commitment. It's a lack. Uh, are, are you going to save money for your retirement? Or just, well, We'll see. Maybe tomorrow. I mean, to make a commitment means you set your will and take action to do something. Making a commitment to finish the work, to finish that which Christ has called you to. In 1519, there was a man by the name of Cortez, Hernandez Cortez. And he was sent from Spain with seven men, 700 men on 11 boats. And they went to Mexico. They, they actually came to the New World to do some exploration. And then as they landed in Mexico, they, they found themselves on the beach shore and they saw this new land full of opportunities. And as they began to make their way up, up into the communities and as they began to, begin to walk through the, the, the jungles, they, they found themselves face to face with lots of opposition, lots of problems. They ran out of food. Guys started to get sick. It was really hard. It was really difficult. It wasn't as easy as they thought it was going to be. A bunch of the guys started to complain. Cortez was this kind of leader. He knew that if there was an opportunity for them to go back, he knew that there was an opportunity for them to find a way out, they would take it. So he got all the guys together, and they sat up on a hill. He had the 11 boats that they came upon, And he sent a couple of guys out to each of the boats. And then he gave a command. He said, sink the ships. All the men that were standing there, they saw the boats sink into the harbor. Baby, there was no going back. Burn the ships, baby. Burn the ship. And in your life, if you're going to go into your future in victory, you've got to sink some ships. (laughs) There's some things that you have to do. Your struggle is pornography. You know what you got to do? You got to block access to it. Your, your problem is overeating. You know what? Until you push yourself away from that table, those calories aren't going to magically disappear. You got physical problems in your body and it's a direct result of the kind of lifestyle. Maybe you drink too much, you eat too much, you smoke too much. Things don't change until you stop. This, this isn't magic, but listen, I want you to know today, you're not on your own. You're not powerless. When Jesus was in the garden, before he went to the cross, he had to make a commitment. He knew what was about to happen. He knew the prophecies. He knew what he was about to go through for all of mankind. The Bible says that he that knew no sin became my sin. 
became my sin. Everything that I've done wrong in my life up to this point. Everything that I'm going to do wrong in my future. He took it upon Him. He took it upon Him to wash away the sins of the vilest sinner. There's a man who's sitting in prison in New York State right now. This man did some terrible things. Uh, he actually called himself the son of Sam. And in the 1970s, he, he was loose in the city of New York. And he would take a 45 Magnum and walk up to a couple who were sitting in the car. And he would stick it up to the window and he would blow their heads off. And he was doing this all over the city. And there was terror all over America. That man, his name is David Berkowitz. David Berkowitz sits in a prison today. And he did some horrendous things. Some things that in my mind, I don't know how he could be forgiven. But someone told him about the gospel. Someone told this Jewish man who had been tormented by demons and did horrendous acts of evil that there was a God who could save him. A God who died 2,000 years ago went to the cross for him. And you know what he did? He asked Jesus to come into his life and to forgive him of all of his sins. You see, what Jesus did on the cross, He did it for all humanity. He did it for every person. There's no case too difficult. And Jesus knew that at that moment on the cross, when He declared, it is finished, He would take upon Him all the sins of mankind. See, that's what the Lamb, the whole thing about killing the Lamb and the blood in the Old Testament, it was all about a sacrifice for sins. I have a Jewish friend today. He's a rabbi in Ormond Beach. And I can't get him to a place where he realizes that one, there's even sin. Because they don't have a way to get forgiveness today. A Jewish person today, because there's no temple in Jerusalem. And there's no way to provide sacrifice. And therefore, they carry around their guilt and their shame and their sin. See? There's no cross today. But for us who believe, the cross has come into our lives to change our history, to change our our destiny. When Jesus was in that garden, the commitment that he was about to make was going to be so great. The gospel writer actually tells us that his capillaries in his forehead, they actually burst. He began to bleed drops of blood. That's some agony. That's some pain. That's some weighing it out. That's some counting the cost. And he made a commitment. And listen to what he said in Luke's gospel. He said, Father, if you're willing to take this away from me, go ahead and take it. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Listen, tonight, no more indecisiveness. No more indecisiveness. If there's unfinished business, and listen, if you are breathing air here tonight, you have some unfinished business. I have unfinished business. Don't kid yourself. Listen, don't kid. I mean, sometimes I'm amazed. I'm amazed when I talk to people. And it's like they're just completely blind. And I'm thinking, my God, I feel the longer that I serve Jesus, the more I realize, like Paul realized, I'm chief of sinners. It's like the closer you get to God, You see the more beautiful and incredible and awesome His holiness and presence is, and you realize how far you are from it. (laughs) You realize, wow, that's amazing. That is so amazing. His grace, His ability to forgive, His ability to never say a wrong word or have a wrong thought or do a wrong deed or speak negatively about people or gossip or whatever things that trip us up. He never did those things. You know, simple. And everyone's got their struggles. Everyone's got their challenges. But I remember 2010. I mean, I asked my wife the other night, I said, go place of your life where you start to really think about the food that you eat. You start to really think about your weight. What, what place of your life you really, as she said, when you hit 50. I said, well, I'm not 50 yet, but I've already thought about it. And in 2010, I was about 35 pounds overweight. And I just said, you know what? This is not for a man of God. Listen, 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 listen. Hear me today. This was my, this is what God was dealing with me at that time. He's dealing with some stuff tonight. 
some other things in my life, but at that time, he was dealing with me in that area. And isn't it the wonderful thing about God? He helps you in one area, and then he goes on to the next area. <laughs> but I had to make a commitment, and it wasn't easy. Oh, I love that sweet tea. Oh, I love sweet tea. I came to Florida, and I got addicted to sweet tea. Hey, yeah, hook up an IV, man. I just drank that sweet tea. And I just blew up like a balloon. And I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. I mean, that's a small thing. Yeah, was it sin? You know, here's the deal. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you to change the nerve of your life, if you disobey it, it's sin to you. <laughs> Whoa! Well, that's out of the Bible. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Because whatever you can't do in faith, whatever you can't do in faith, sent to you. Listen, young person, your friends are going to a movie, and they're like, you know, hey, it isn't that bad. It's a PG-13. But the Holy Spirit told you, I don't want you going to any movies above a PG. You're like, well, it's not that bad. It's PG-13. The Holy Spirit told you, I don't want you to do that. And you go and do that. You know what? You just sin. You know why? Because you violated your conscience. You violated your conscience. And when you violate your conscience, you sin. You sin. That's how it works. It isn't a list of rules now. It's now by the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And He has your best in mind. And He loves you. He loves you. But it all starts with a step. Everyone say, a step. You've got to take a step. You've got to say, here's the deal. You're here today, and you see kind of what you think it should be like. But it seems to be impossible. From here, back to the back wall. That's a big, big step. I could never, ever, ever, ever make it to the back of the wall in one step. I couldn't do it. Pastor Glenn loved to play basketball and he was a great basketball player. And I remember I loved playing basketball in school, but I remember one of the drills that we did was to see how far, how much, uh, the fewest steps we could take in a layup to the basket goal. And I remember man, being just on the other side of the top of the key and try to one step, one dribble to make a layup. Even if I took one step and a dribble, I still couldn't make a layup from here to the back of the wall. I got to take steps. <laughs> it's steps. And that's how the Holy Spirit leads us. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, he said, but because the Holy Spirit that's in us, he leads us into steps. Keep in step with what the Spirit is doing in your life. It's one step, and then the next step, and then the next step. You've got financial problems in your life. You don't see how I can ever get out of this problem. You know how victory starts? You know how you go from being in debt to out of debt? You take the next step. Maybe you cut a credit card up. Maybe you make, maybe you make a commitment that I'm not going to go out to eat again. I mean, listen, you take the next step. It's the next step. We're going to take some baby steps in our life in order for us to get victory. And the reason... That God does this. The reason that God does this in your life, in my life, is because God wants to put a spotlight on our inability, our inability to see the end. The psalmist David said it like this. He said, we are led into steps. It's his light, the light of his word that lights our path. The light of God's word lights our path. See, God illuminates our path just far enough for us to see the next step. Because the human tendency is to think we can do this without God. The human tendency is to think that we can find victory over some problem, some addiction, some issue of our life. You know, we start to see too far out there. We think, hey, we did something. It was our strength. It was our power. It wasn't your strength. It, was your power. it wasn't your power. It's God's grace that's in your life. It's God's spirit that illuminates your path, that gives you the ability to see next steps, next steps. <laughs> In the movie, What About Bob? Bill Murray says, this takes baby steps to get to the elevator. We're going to take baby steps to get to the elevator. Tonight, God wants us to take the next step of our life, the next step for your life. It's my next step in my life. It's confession. Confession. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So when we begin to take these steps, the first thing we do is we ask God to forgive us. 
then not only do we ask God to forgive us, we receive his forgiveness. Pastor Tom and I were having lunch today. I was talking about the challenge sometime for us to be able to receive the forgiveness of God. We know that he does, but to actually believe it and not keep beating ourselves up for our past, for our failures, and for our mistakes. And then we take steps of accountability. We get into relationships with other believers. I was reading a testimony from a pastor online this week, and I shared it with one of my friends. I said, it's an incredible testimony. He had a struggle in his life with pornography. And he said, you know what? He said, when I finally just made it really simple, I made myself accountable to one of my friends. And I said, listen, if I ever goop up again, I owe you $1,000. I had to write a check right then. And he said, if you knew how many times, he said, I thought about that $1,000 check I had to write out. He said, it just stopped me from taking the next step. That's accountability. I mean, there was some kind of teeth. There was some kind of weight to it. You're trying to lose weight. Really simple. My my accountability factor for keeping weight off of my life is that I weigh myself twice a day. Because that scale doesn't lie. That scale doesn't feel sorry for me. That scale, you know, it doesn't try to coddle me and tell me, it's okay, everybody does it, no problem. I know your weakness. I know you couldn't just push yourself away from that table. You couldn't stop eating that extra bowl of ice cream. I know, no, no, that scale just tells me the truth. The scale in my bathroom, when I get it on in the morning, it's true. It's true. And when I go to bed at night, that five or six pounds that I put on during the day, it's true. And you need someone in your life that will tell you the truth. Hey, don't don't go there. The cost. Listen, God wants you to finish. And then we build trust and relationships. And then we take the next step. We take the next step. So what's your step? What's your step tonight? Maybe your next step is getting forgiveness for someone that you wronged. I was 21, 22 years of age, and I had to write a letter to someone that I wronged. I had to write a letter to them. I had people tell me, oh, you don't have to do that. That's all forgiven. I said, no, 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 no. I know that I have to write this letter. I wronged this person. And they don't even know that I did it. But I know the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I mean, maybe your next step, maybe you got this idea. I got a friend of mine that sent me the first chapter to his book. And that was a couple of years ago. I was, actually, I was actually scrolling through and deleting emails tonight, and I saw this book. And he was on this journey. He's going to write this book. And the first chapter was incredible. But two, three years later, it still hasn't been written. <laughs> Maybe you got an idea tonight. Maybe you got an idea to do something to, to help finance missions, to make money for the kingdom, to meet the next area of your life and your family. What's your next step tonight? Maybe your next step is to go back to school and to get your GED or to get your bachelor. I mean, maybe your next step is just something really, really, really practical. And you've had this in your heart, and God's been speaking this to your life. So I don't know what your next step is, but Jesus is your example. He took one step after another. He took one step after another, all the way to Golgotha. It was love that compelled him. He finished the race. Paul the Apostle said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to watch this video. It's just a short little video that talks about a man that took the next step until he finished the race. In 1968, in the Mexico City Olympics, John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania set out with hopes of an Olympic gold in the 26.2 mile marathon race. Sadly for him and his country, midway through the race, he had a horrible accident, uh, falling to the ground, gashing his knee wide open and dislocating his knee from the joint certainly keeping him from finishing the race. Well, all the other runners left him behind and eventually entered into the stadium for their final lap. And over an hour after the race had been won and all the other runners had already completed, John Stephen Aquari shocked the world. When the stadium was mostly empty, this very injured runner 
hobbled into the stadium, limping and fighting his way to the finish line. Leg wrapped with a little towel with blood gushing down, this very brave hero finished a race that virtually everyone else would have quit. That's what we're going to do because we have unfinished business. And God is calling us to finish the race. After the race was run, the uh, interviewers asked John, why'd you do that when no one else would have? And John said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race, but they sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. Amen. God did not come into into your life through his son Jesus for you not to finish the race. God wants you to finish the race. God's grace is here for you. It's the goodness of God, the Bible says, that leads us to change. I love this verse in 1 John. It says, for every child of God defeats this evil world by trusting Christ to give the victory. Every child of God. Every child of God. Everyone born of God. I want you to take this hand. I need a, somebody hand me a pen. I need a pen. Everyone should have one of these. Come on, I want everyone, if you don't have one, the usher is going to get you one. If you don't have one, can you raise your hand right now? If you don't have one of these, I want everyone to take yours out right now. And if you're breathing air on this planet Earth, Tonight, you have some unfinished business. And I want you to take a moment. If you need one of these, one of these handouts tonight, I want you to take a moment. And I want to write to, I want you to write down your unfinished business. It could be a dream that you've had in your heart. And you're gonna say, God, tonight I'm setting my heart. Finish this. It could be a problem. It could be an anger issue. It could be an addiction. But listen, God is big tonight. And he cares about every detail of your life. And I want you to write this down. I want you to write down what your issue is tonight. Matthew's gospel. In Matthew's gospel, this is what happened. This is exactly what happened. When Jesus breathed his last breath, the Bible says that he cried out in a loud voice. It is finished. And he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, in the temple, there was a veil. The veil was what separated man from God. And at that moment, this curtain that hung in the temple, it was tall. It was probably 30-some feet tall. That temple was literally torn from top to bottom. At the moment, he cried, it is finished. And when the veil was torn, it made possible for every person to now have access with God. And so now what I want you to do is I want you to take this piece of paper. I want you to hold it up. Come on, and we're going to tear it tonight. We're going to tear it tonight. I just want you to take it. I want you to tear it right down. Torn right to. That's your commitment tonight. That's your commitment to the next step with God. Don't tear it all up yet. Just tear it in two, okay? <laughs> just tear it in two. You have unfinished business, but tonight you're making a commitment. You're taking the next step. Colossians said he nailed it to the cross once and for all. Your finished business tonight. Your finished. I need a stick pin. Do we have the stick pins? Can you guys just, Pastor Glenn, can you guys just spread these out across the front here? Just going to just spread these out. This is what we're going to do tonight. They're going to turn the lights off. You can turn the lights back down. Guys, in the back, can you turn the lights down? The house lights, can you turn the house lights down, please? So what we're going to do, we're going to take this sheet of paper 
You guys, are you going to bring the cross down? I need you to bring the cross down to the front, please. They're going to come put this cross right down here in the front. And in just a moment, Pastor Tom's going to come, and he's going to begin to lead us. Oh, Katie. I'm sorry, Katie. Katie Rivers is going to sing, lead us to the cross, or lead me to the cross. And as she begins to sing, you're going to stand. As Katie begins to sing, we're going to stand. What I want you to do is I want you to come down to the front. And how we're going to do it as you stand, I want you to come down the center aisle. And these guys, maybe you you should hold the pens for me and get a little closer there. You're going to come and you're going to get a pen. You're going to take this pen. I'm going to come down and show you how it's done. You're going to take it. You're going to take your unfinished business. What you're committed to, you're taking that next step. This is your baby step tonight. And you're going to put it to the cross. After you take it, after you nail it to the cross, I want you to come over. And I want you to take a communion cup. Now you take this cup. You can go back to your seat. You can stand around the cross. However you feel led tonight. We feel led to finish this tonight. But as Katie begins to sing, I want us to stand. I want us to stand. I want you to just begin to make your way to the center aisle and come down. Chet, you got to come. you got to come. Let him come down the center aisle.
Sometimes it's easy for us to point the fingers at others. But it wasn't just Judas that sent Jesus to the cross. I sent Jesus to the cross. My sins, my failure to obey God perfectly, my times of willful disobedience when I did what I wanted to do and not what He created me to do. It was my sin and it was your sin that drove Jesus to the cross. And he took that bread, that unleavened bread, that little matzah meal, and he took it in his hands and he broke it. And he told them, he said, I want you to eat all of it. I want you to eat all of it. On Wednesday night in our Maudie Thursday service, we, we showed how they did it. They actually took a large portion and they ate it very quickly. And I want you as you take this bread, this wafer in your hands tonight, what Jesus did for you that night, what Jesus did for you that night in His body, when you would be beaten and bruised, He fulfilled every promise of God. The prophet Isaiah would say that He would be wounded for our transgressions. He'd be bruised for our iniquities. By His stripes, we're made whole. And as you eat of this bread tonight, I want you to know He's your source of forgiveness. Maybe you just need to ask God to forgive you. This is your first step of your first baby step, making a commitment. Is asking God to forgive you and receiving His forgiveness. So you hold that bread in your hand. And I'm going to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you that what you did 2,000 years ago, you did for me. You who thought it not robbery, not robbery equal with God because you were God himself in human flesh. Jesus, you were God with skin on and you came just for me. And you took that bread and you said this was the bread of life. And if we eat this bread again, we'll never need to go back. We'll never need to go back to the old ways. So tonight we receive that by faith. And in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior, let's break and let's eat together tonight. Hallelujah. It was all about the blood. Shedding of the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? The songwriter said, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me clean again? nothing but the blood of Jesus. Tonight you hold in your hands a cup of juice. They actually that night they would have a cup of about three to four ounces of juice that they would drink. They actually had four cups that they drank that night. But this cup that Jesus drank, this cup that the disciples drank, Jesus did not drink. This cup that the disciples drank, he did not drink. He said, I'll drink of this cup when I come back for you again to take you into my kingdom. And tonight we're going to drink the disciples' cup, the cup that represents the forgiveness of our sins. 
cup that brings us into right relationship with God. Let's take of this cup and let's drink together. Let's drink all of it today. Hallelujah. 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 It reaches to the highest mountain flows and it flows to the lowest valley of love that gives restraint from day to day today come on it's a it's a good friday amen we have a saturday night service which we've never done before i want you to i want to encourage you invite your friends out to that we have three sunday morning services listen um i want to encourage you maybe there's some friends that you've been that you've been inviting and they've said no every time can i tell you just try one more time all right just try one more time give one more text message give one more email and who knows what god's going to do in their lives this easter uh, and just to let you know, Saturday night service is also going to have a full Easter egg hunt, just like Sunday morning. They're going to be identical services, all four worship experiences. Let me pray over you as we leave tonight. Father, thank you, God, for the word. God, thank you, Lord, for this Easter service. God, thank you that it is a good Friday, Lord. And we, we have uh, finished our business with you. God, we've modeled after you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are... You are uh, fully incarnate. You you came on this earth. You died a sinner's death, God, and now you've overcome grave. Lord, we're ready for Easter. We are ready for Easter. God, bless you, these families tonight. Lord, in all that we do, let us follow you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you.